Oh, man. Kaylee, if I could just like make you miniature, put you in my pocket, and then any time that I'm having a bad day, I could just take you out. It would feel so good. <laughs> well, I wanted to, uh, this morning before we get into things, I wanted to like get us back on the same page because it has been a while since we've talked about our prayer covenant. And so I wanted to get us all back onto the same page. So our prayer covenant began with a, from a place of gratitude, right? Acknowledging God's grace and his love. And actually the lines are going to show up there on the screen there. And it says, thank you, Father, for your grace that has made me a dearly loved child of God. So this is where we begin. And so out of this grace and love that has been extended to us, we then send it on back, right? Thank you, Lord. Help me to love you. Love you, honor you, make that be my priority in life. That, then that love turns again and extends to other people. Help me to love others as you have loved me. Which then, that love continues to lead us places, and it leads us into a place of repentance, where we would say, with our heartfelt request for forgiveness of, Lord, wash me clean from all of my sin. And that's such an expression of our love for God. Well, now this concept of love now turns us again and positions our attention to know God more. Because to know God is to worship God. And since we want to know God, then our prayer is, enable me to praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. That's our prayer for this week. Enable me to praise you with my whole heart. But haven't we talked about praise already? So why are we doing this again? You know, is it, are we kicking a dead horse here? No, we could probably talk about praise lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. Um, now, we did talk about praise being the expression of our affection of God. And that praise really is that love language of God. Now, while praise is the expression of our love and our affection towards God, worship could be defined as the expression of reverence or adoration towards God. So worship is a particular expression of a particular inspiration, the holiness of God. So today, I'm going to back up because I can't see everybody now. Uh, today, we're going to explore further the concept, this particular point of view, this particular point of inspiration of God's holiness when we are talking about wholehearted worship. So wholehearted worship. If wholehearted worship is the expression, then, of reverence of God's holiness, perhaps your mind goes to the same place that my mind went was Revelation 4, where we see the reverence of God and the worship of God's reverence. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to join me in Revelations chapter 4. And we're going to read the whole chapter, uh, but starting at verse 2. So it starts off like this. And instantly, I was in the Spirit. Again, Revelations 4, chapter 2, or sorry, chapter 4, verse 2. And I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. And the one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, jasper, and ruby. And the glow of an emerald circled around his throne like a rainbow. 
24 elders or 24 thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their head. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven lampstands with burning flames. They were the seven spirits of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. The first of these living beings had the form of a lion. The second looked like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth had the form of an eagle with wings spread out as though in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were covered with eyes inside and out. Day after day, night after night, they kept singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is to come. Now, whenever the living beings gave glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created everything. And it is your pleasure, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. That is some wholehearted worship. These creatures, these elders, with all that they have, are ceaselessly expressing awe of God's nature and his character. This reverent worship of God's holiness compels them. In, uh, in another version, it talks about how they cover their eyes because they are so in awe of the brilliance of God. And the elders, they are so compelled by the holiness of God that they would then give everything to him. And it says that this happens day after day, night after night, ceaselessly as they acknowledge the wholeness of God, the fullness, the completeness of who he is and his nature, their wholehearted worship gets boiled down to one word, holy. He was, he is, he is to come completely, holy, holy. This is our God, holy, holy completely holy. The same God who is described as brilliant as Jasper and Ruby is in the muck and the mire and in the dark places with us. And the same God whose throne emanates lightning and thunder is there to comfort us when we are in need. And the same God whose throne flows out a sea of glass is calming the raging seas within us. Therefore, such a holy God 
deserves wholehearted worship. And this text presents us with the language of wholehearted worship. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Acknowledging God's almighty holiness in the past, in the present, and in the future is utter wholehearted worship. Now, I did a quick Google search because that's what every good research starts off, right? We always start off by Googling it. Yeah, right? Okay, you start a paper, hermeneutics. Hermeneutics, Google, right? Like it always starts there. So I did a quick Google search and Google tells me that wholeheartedness is considered to be an unconditional commitment or unstinting devotion or unreserved enthusiasm. So perhaps that's sort of what your understanding of wholeheartedness, that's sort of where your understanding resides. However, if we were to approach wholehearted worship from this this concept, we kind of of lean into a wellness perspective of wholeheartedness, right? Because when you think about wholeheartedness, or when I think about wholeheartedness, I think about that I've got all my stuff together now. Now I'm wholehearted. (sighs) I've got it all fixed, right? We We come from a place of wellness, that that is wholeheartedness. Well, if we were to then go from that place of wellness, well, then where that often leads us to and how that often leads our expression is, is when we aren't feeling well, or if we're not feeling like we've got all our stuff together, well, then our worship, our life of worship is often limited. And we often are at a place where we use our circumstances to pivot or to to direct our worship. That would be conditional worship, which would be the opposite of what Google tells us is wholeheartedness, right? Because it says it's unconditional. Now, I know that you know, and we would agree that worship really isn't about our feelings, right? We know that. This isn't new for us. And so I would suggest that wholeheartedness, and you would agree with me, has very little to do with our feelings, whether we feel wholehearted. I would suggest that wholehearted worship has everything to do with God's holiness as opposed to our wellness. And I would also suggest that wholehearted worship isn't about our feelings. It is about, it's not a wellness perspective. Wholehearted worship is a time perspective. I think wholehearted worship has everything to do with time. Because wholehearted worship is the reverent expression of what God has done back then. And wholehearted worship is the odd praise of what God is doing right now. And wholehearted worship would say that he is holy. I know he'll be holy in the future. Maybe I can say it this way. Wholehearted worship says, thank you, God, for what you did back then. 
Thank you, God, for what you're doing right now. Thank you, God, for what you have in store. One more option. Wholehearted worship remembers what God has done. Wholehearted worship acknowledges what God is doing right now. And wholehearted worship anticipates what God is going to do. That is wholehearted worship. It's often when we get wrapped up into our circumstances that we forget God's faithfulness in the past, that we deny what he's currently doing, and we lose hope in what his plans are. And those are the things that, that still the whole beat, the wholehearted beat of worship. Those are the things that stop that heartbeat. See, the Old Testament prophets were commissioned by God to speak to this very theme. Constantly, the, um, the prophets, when they were giving their list from God to the people of what has grieved God's heart, it is often God is saying, you forgot that I took you out of Egypt. You don't keep the Sabbath, the time that I gave you to be present with me, and you're not sticking to the plans that I have for you. That is often what God is speaking to his people in the Old Testament. That, that, that concept of them not remembering, of them not acknowledging what he's doing, of not anticipating what he's going to do, that lack of perspective is what grieved God's heart. That is the opposite of wholehearted worship. I'd like the band to come back up. I'd like to take the rest of our time this morning to give God some wholehearted worship. Not because of how we feel, not because it's raining out or wasn't raining out yesterday, not because of what is coming our way for assignments. I'd love for us together to offer God some wholehearted worship this morning that remembers what he has done in our lives. And I'm commissioning you to make this quite personal. Remember what he has done for you. Let's take some time this morning to acknowledge what he is currently doing in your life. And we'll take some time to anticipate his good plans. So just to give us a sense of where we're going this morning, we're going to sing. We're going to take the moment to actually remember through communion. I am so excited to take communion. And then we're going to take some time to uh, sing again. And, and when, I, when we're singing, I would encourage you, maybe don't sing. Maybe take some time to actually reflect and consider what God is doing. So I'd love for you to stand up with me. Let's use this time, this song, this space to remember that he is holy, that he has been holy in your life.
before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat again until it comes to fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and wine, and when he gave thanks for it, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink the wine again until the kingdom of God has come. So then he took a loaf of bread, and we have some really interesting wafers. But the beauty of God is that he uses small things to remind us of really big, important things. And so Jesus took the bread, and then he gave thanks to God for it, and he broke it into pieces. He said, this is my body given for you. Take this in remembrance of me. Let's take this bread together and remember what he's done. And after supper, he took another cup. And he said, this wine is the token of God's new covenant, his new promise for you and for me. This new covenant to save you, an agreement sealed with the blood that is poured out for you. Let us take this cup in remembrance of what he's done. Jesus, we remember. As best as we can, we remember your sacrifice, your provision out of the slavery of sin, of your new promise, the way that you have for us, a new agreement, we remember through small symbols, we remember the most significant thing, the most significant action that is made for humanity, we remember. We thank you for all that we have for all that we've experienced, the freedom, the joy, the goodness, the promise that we have because of what you've done. Thank you for what you have done in the past that has so changed our present and our future. Thank you, Lord. You are so good. Thank you, Lord.
to turn our attention now from a place of remembrance to a place of acknowledging God. Take some time to truly see what God is doing in your life right now. Take some time to truly see what God is doing in your friends, in your family, in this world. What is he doing? Acknowledge what he's doing right now.
Lamentations 3 is probably one of my favorite verses. It says this, Lamentations 3.21 says, I, or yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this. The unfailing love of the Lord never ends. By his mercies we have been kept from complete destruction. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every single day. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. This is my prayer. That we would be wholehearted worshipers of our holy God. That we would remember what he has done. That we would not forget. That we would acknowledge and see, choosing to see what he is doing in our present. And we would be daring people, daring people to hope in what he has. That's my prayer. So as you go for the rest of the week into this rainy day, into this rainy week, Would you be wholehearted, practice wholehearted worship, remember him, acknowledge him, and have your hope, dare to hope in him. Bless you guys. Thanks for worshiping with us. Have an awesome day and an awesome week. Love you big time.